You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and movie lover who dreams of setting foot into a theater again someday. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday, who recently got to set foot in a theater for a story I was writing, but I was still not allowed to watch the film because of health precautions. How do you like that, Kristen? Oh, so not fair. (laughs) In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. Ails all of you out there who, like us, can't go to the movie theater. And fortunately, everything we recommend can be watched online, via streaming services, or sometimes even on good old YouTube. As usual, our disclaimer, we are not real therapists, but we are real film critics. So Kristen, let's get to this week's letters. Yes, let's do it. Our first letter is from Jane. Jane says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I met a guy unexpectedly after months of keeping to myself and a small group of friends. We hit it off immediately. He came to visit me at work and spent the whole night keeping me company. Not long after, we went on a real date that lasted so many hours and miles and miles of walking and talking. In short, we got on like a house on fire. But the next day, he texted and essentially said he was embarrassed with how much he overshared. It's now been days since he said he'd get back to me. I'm left with that vulnerable feeling one gets after receiving so much adoration only to be ghosted. I don't want this to get me down. I want to pick myself up and be more open to dating the next time an opportunity comes knocking. Are there any movies or TV shows that can teach me to take this failed dating situation in stride, brush myself off, and try, try again? Hmm. You know, it's really, it's weird when people do that. And I have heard this complaint from many people in my life where you have a great date and you know, everything seems to be going well. And then it's just, it's like it never happened. I have some, I have some thoughts about why that is. I, I, I think people just get scared. Don't you think that's what it is? I mean, this guy essentially, this guy essentially said as much to, to give this guy some credit for some level of self-awareness. He at least explained what happened. He did say like, I, you know, which is, which is actually a little self-aware. I was embarrassed with how much I overshared. That's kind of interesting because I do think that's kind of what happens. People, People get vulnerable. 
They get scared of being vulnerable. They get scared of liking someone. And so they back off. That's what I think happens. What do you what do you think, Kristen? Well, I think that's definitely the case here with Jane. I mean, he he came right out and said it. So sure. You know, a lot of people get scared. A lot of people aren't ready to put their emotions out there to be vulnerable and it hurts sometimes. And sure. I've been ghosted. I just want to make really clear I've been ghosted. Almost everybody who is dated in today's world has been ghosted before. Sadly, it's kind of part of the way the world works. But I'll also confess here and now, yes, I've ghosted people. You've done it. Yes. Oh, the look on your face. You look like, why am I friends with you? I can't believe you did that. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've, I've done, I don't know if I've really ghosted someone quite like that. I've, I don't know. I've behaved badly. Let's just put it that way. But when you say ghosted, Kristen... Do you mean that you had a good date, like a really like a good slash great date with someone and then just vanished from their life? Well, I really I have to be careful not to sound too much like a braggart here, but every date with Kristen Meinzer is a good date. That's just the way it is, you know, and I'm going to have fun. I'm going to make the most of the situation. I'm going to be curious. I'm going to ask you lots of questions. I'm going to make the most of every moment because that's the way we should all live life. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to want to see you again, Ooh. even if I enjoyed that moment. Ooh. And oh. I, God, I, I'm not helping Jane at all here. I should just shut up, right? Christian, I, 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 I have never dated you, and I've got a, I've got this sore feeling in my stomach, like I just got kicked. <laughs> wow, Ooh, boy. But I, the reason I am saying this, the reason I'm saying it, Jane, is. Because sometimes that's all a date is. It's a really fun time or maybe two really fun times. And maybe you don't see each other again after that. But it's okay to cherish the fun time you had. It's okay to look back at that, not just full of anxiety and, you know, discomfort, but to just look back on the fun time of it too and be like, that was great. You know what? I bet there are other people out there who are great too. I'm great. My name is Jane. I'm fabulous. I am great. And I feel bad because now I'm like, I think I just ruined it, didn't I? Did I ruin <laughs> no, all of this for for my talk about no, ghosting you, people? No, you didn't ruin it at all. But you, but this is a, um, God, this is. I, I, I guess I would just say this is a level of positivity that that I'm just not sure is in most of us. Certainly not me. <laughs> You're wrong, Rafer. It is in you. It's in you. It's in Jane. It's in everybody else out there. And yes, I, I will just reiterate the social mores today when it comes to dating. They suck. They suck, and we can't change those. But one thing that we can change is how we go into it. We can look at things as hopeless and the end of the world, or we can look at things through the perspective that will help me in the end. And that's why I am going to recommend a movie that is all about the perspective we bring to the table. And that is a movie called 500 Days of Summer. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Yes, 500 Days of Summer from 2009. It stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He plays Tom. He's a hopeless romantic. And he has been dating Summer for 500 days. And he's completely caught off guard when she suddenly dumps him. And over the course of the movie, the story, by the way, is kind of told out of order. You see a chunk in this moment of their relationship, a chunk in the beginning, a chunk in the middle, and so on. And right. you see the good and the bad. You see him questioning whether he went into this relationship with the wrong attitude. And you see in the end that, no, being hopeful about love, being a romantic, those aren't bad things. Those are good things. Here's a clip. You know what sucks? <laughs> Realizing that everything you believe in is complete and utter bullshit sucks. What do you mean? 
Ah, uh, you know, destiny and soulmates. True love and all that childhood fairy tale. Nonsense. You were right. I, I should have listened to you. No. <laughs> yeah, why, why are you smiling at I guess it's because I was sitting in a deli and reading Dorian Gray and a guy comes up to me and asks me about it and now he's my husband. I like this movie a lot because I like the two actors a lot. I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt and I love Zoe Deschanel. I know it's a little cliched to love Zoe Deschanel, but I just do. And I would agree with you. I, I, I think the one thing that I thought was interesting about the movie I had some objections to it. It's a little it's a little on the self-aware side. It's a little bit too kind of there's something a little smug about the way the movie approaches it all, but it also really does get to the heart of what it's like to like somebody and have them just not like you back. Yeah. It's like it's like one of the toughest things in the world, you know? Yeah. It is tough, but it also shows some hope and yes. I think it's important to see that that you know, somebody who maybe doesn't believe in love goes on to believe in love, but just sadly with somebody else. Maybe you think you're never going to love again, but you clearly are going to love again. And the world is filled with so many people who could potentially love you, who you could potentially love. There is an infinite number of people. New ones are being born every day. New ones get born all the time. <laughs> but you can't date them, just to, let, just to be clear. No, no, just no. To be clear. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. No, 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 no. But, you know... It is important, though, to remember this one bad experience isn't all your experiences. And you can look at that bad experience through a different lens if you want to, just like our character Tom does in 500 Days of Summer. I think that's a, I think that's a great choice. And I think you did it. You, you, you delivered on a movie that has your, uh, that has your, your positivity, your, your, your positive, upbeat attitude on that. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed you found it. <laughs> well, I'm curious to see what you picked, though, Rafer. I mean, I have to tell you... I went for just a much, much more, and when I say much more, I mean extremely obvious pick. I went with a movie from 1989. I went with When Harry Met Sally, and it's a movie that, Yay! I mean, I know, I know. and One of the greatest films of all time. It really is. It really is one of the best films ever. I, I, I'm going to repeat the plot for, for, the, for the, the 0.5 of the, of the population out there that has not seen the film. It's, uh, it's Billy Crystal, plays a guy named Harry Burns. Meg Ryan is Sally Albright. They've been friends since college, but they're not close friends uh, because Harry has this theory about male-female friendships that they can't work because the sex part, quote-unquote, always gets in the way. Over the years, they keep running into each other, and usually they're attached to someone else. And, you know, maybe at one point, Harry is actually married, and then he gets divorced. And finally, one New Year's Eve, they they sort of consummate their relationship. Uh, but mostly, it's a, it's a case of, of these sort of Missed opportunities and the, the timing's never quite right, but there's an attraction there. Here's a clip. You know, the first time we met, I really didn't like you that much. I didn't like you. Yeah, you did. You were just so uptight then. You're much softer now. You know, I hate that kind of remark. It sounds like a compliment, but really it's an insult. Okay, you're still as hard as nails. I just didn't want to sleep with you, and you had to write it off as a character flaw instead of dealing with the possibility that it might have something to do with you. What's the statute of limitations on apologies? Ten years. Ooh, I can just get it in under the wire. Would you like to have dinner with me sometime? Are we becoming friends now? 
Well, yeah. Grace, a woman friend. You know, you may be the first attractive woman I have not wanted to sleep with in my entire life. That's wonderful, Harry. Rafer, this is such a good recommendation for so many reasons, not just because Harry and Sally give us hope by the end of the movie, spoiler, True, but because we get to see all the ups and downs in their lives. We get to see like they had a lot of bad dates. They had a lot of people who were maybe good for a few weeks or a few months or a few years who just didn't end up sticking the landing. And that's fine. That's the way most of us are. Most of us have, you know, little romances or one afternoon here or years with that person. And, you know, that's just the way it is. And that's fine. It's not a bad thing. And it's not just Harry and Sally we see doing that. It's Harry and Sally's friends we see doing that, too, which is part of the joy of the movie. You see that it's not just about these protagonists. It's about the world we live in and that we all go through this. And that's fine. I t- right, that's exactly right. You know, and of course, the reason that I th- I thought of it was because of this scene that kind of stuck with me when I first saw it, where Harry and Sally, again, spoiler, uh, where they sleep together, and it's supposed to be this great moment, you know, it, this thing, this thing they've both been thinking about and kind of not thinking about and pretending that they don't want, but they do kind of want it, and is it ever going to happen? It finally happens, and then the very next morning... Harry freezes up and he, he he ghosts her. He can't communicate with her. He can't talk to her. He ju- he leaves. He he just he pretty much totally ignores her and she doesn't know why. She's trying to figure out what happened there, and the answer is because he's scared. It looks it looks it looks to her like he just slept with her and then forgot about her. But in fact, it's quite the opposite. You know, he really he's terrified. He can't stop thinking about her. And so, I guess it just I guess it stuck with me because it kind of showed me. It's sort of an obvious thing to say, but it kind of showed me that, you know, a person's behavior is one thing, but you just don't always know what's going through their head. And the person may look like just a complete jerk, but he might be more of uh, a coward. He might be more of someone who's just who's just confused and sad and alone and desperate and doesn't know how to act on feelings. You know, like Kristen was saying, you know, it's it's no big surprise that this is a movie and Harry and Sally do get together in the end. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen uh, for our listener and this guy. Um, you know, if there's a guy out there that can't have a deep conversation with you two in a row, if you can't have another one with you uh, without freaking out, I would say kind of keep that guy at arm's length. And I would say you probably dodged a bullet there. You know, maybe he'll drop back into your life and explain everything and you'll realize he's the one for you. But I don't know about that. You might have also just kind of, you know, this might be a good thing that happened to you. You you might have avoided something there. So there you go. Oh, I love that advice, Rafer. You probably dodged a bullet. I love that. <laughs> but there is hope. There's so much hope Always. out there. There's so much love. And there's new people all the time. Loads and loads of them. <laughs> so once again, our recommendations are from me, When Harry Met Sally, and from Kristen, 500 Days of Summer. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do... Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone, once again, who continues to give us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, yes. like Nate 100 Million, who gave us five stars <laughs> and wrote, This is a great show to escape our current pandemic. Like other Kristen Meinzer shows, it is entertaining and informing, but doesn't shy away from difficult issues and social commentary. Last but not least, it expands our viewing repertoire. 
Thanks, Nat One Hundred Million. Um, that's a great <laughs> that's a great username. I I, I like to think of you uh, sitting in front of your keyboard going, "All right, Nat One. Okay, Nat Two. Oh, that one's taken. Nat Three. <laughs> How about Nat One Hundred Million? How about that? <laughs> anyway, good job. Thank you, Nat, and we really appreciate it. Stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who wants to enjoy her aging body. We are back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, take it away. All right. This letter is from Andrea. And Andrea says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I love dancing, but have done very little of it since having kids. I'm just starting to get back into it now. And I want to be able to regain the happiness that I used to find in dancing without worrying about how my body has changed through pregnancy, childbirth, and just getting older. I would appreciate a recommendation where I can see older adults using their bodies joyfully in any way. It doesn't have to be dancing to help shore up my determination to get moving. Oh, yay, Andrea. I love this letter. I love that you want to embrace your body, enjoy it, use it. We're all lucky to have one, right? Yes. A body is a great thing. Bodies are fantastic. I'm so glad I have one. It's great. <laughs> but it's true that a lot of our media, our society, entertainment doesn't necessarily embrace the aging body, specifically the female aging body. Yeah. Um, it, it can be the punchline of a joke. It can be made fun of a lot. And, you know... I get it. I'm that person who is dancing at the wedding and people think is a little too enthusiastic and bad at dancing and <laughs> who maybe is a little too old and should sit down, sit down. Just because Uptown Funk comes on does not mean that every 40-year-old should hit the dance floor. But I'm there. Sure it does. <laughs> but I want to shake my booty. I want to do it. And yeah. Andrea, I'm glad you want to shake your booty too. I think that's I think that's true, um, you know, as a as a person who is getting older, you know, I find that it's um it's really important to be physical to use your body. I may have mentioned here on the podcast before that I had shoulder surgery not too long ago and I am still in recovery and probably for quite some time and my physical therapist the other day said the words to me, "Oh, it looks like the right side of your body is caving in." Oh my god. <laughs> I said I said, "Oh, is that right? You want to? Do you want to get like a like a uh, camera out and do a time lapse, you know, version of that and show me what's happening there? What? How do you know that my that my the right side of my body is uh, caving in?" He said, "Well, because your right nipple is lower than the other one." I thought, "Okay, that's that's great. That's great to hear." But he's right because my body is like I'm, I can't be active. I ca I can't run very much. I can't do any kind of push up. I can barely push myself up out of a chair. And so my body is really kind of turning to mush. And I really, really miss some physical activity, raising my arms above my head, going out for a run. Um, yeah. And I just, I'm not a super active guy, but what, but I was a regular runner and I did get some exercise and what little act activity I did, I miss it. So yeah, it's important. Your body's important. Mm. Well, Rafer, I'm curious then on that note, what are we going to recommend to Andrea where she can get out there, use her body, feel inspired to by watching other older bodies doing their thing? Well, I might have gone a little bit, uh, I might have overshot the mark slightly when she said uh, that she wanted uh, a film about older people. But I thought, you know, why not? Um, you know, we're all we're all mortal. We're all aging. We're all facing our mortality. So I chose a film from 2010 called Red. Yeah. 
Kristen, you know this movie? Of course I do, because it has Dame <laughs> Helen Mirren. Hello. That's right. That's right. She's great in this. Uh, well, so this is, on the face of it, if I were to describe the plot for you, it's basically your typical espionage thriller, uh, you know, with the hitman and government agents and good assassins and bad assassins and all that stuff. It's about a guy named Frank Moses. He's one of these former CIA black ops guys, very peacefully retired. And then one night... Some paramilitary squad shoots up his house and tries to kill him. Clearly, somebody wants him dead, but he doesn't know who. So he's going to go contact all his old underground friends and find them and ask them for help. And what makes the movie fun is that pretty much everybody in it is over 50, over 60 possibly even over 70. By the time you get to the sequel, some of these actors are pushing 80. Here's who's in it. The main guy is Bruce Willis. And his old friends are played by Morgan Freeman, John Malkovich, Brian Cox, and as Kristen said, Helen Mirren. Here's a clip. This place looks fantastic, Victoria. How'd you do it? What? How'd you make the transition? You seem so calm, at ease. I love it. I love it here. I love the baking. I love the flower arranging. I like the routine. Well, I, I do get a bit restless sometimes. Mm-hmm. I take the odd contract on the side. Uh, the title of this film is an acronym. Red stands for retired, extremely dangerous. Um, <laughs> and it's cute. It's funny. It's it's actually based on a comic book series, oddly enough. And the movie is really just a lot of fun. It's PG-13. So the violence is very, very cartoony, very jokey. You you do see a few people explode and some body parts go flying this, you know, this way and that way. But it's all kind of Coyote Roadrunner. It's, it's, it, there's no blood. There's no gore. The music is very spy spoof. The cinematography, that's one thing I, I got to kick out. The cinematography is very you know, zigzaggy, zoomy camera work, these weird angles upside down. The cinematographer is a guy named Florian Ballhouse, who is the son of Michael Ballhouse, who's a famous cinematographer. And the one film that probably most people will remember is The Color of Money, the pool oh, film, the billiard yeah. film with Tom Cruise and Paul Newman. And you remember the camera was always like down in the pool table. You were the ball, sort of like zooming, <laughs> zigzagging back and forth across the table into the pocket. It's that kind of cinematography. So it's all very fun. And you get to see all these, you know, people who are, you know, like I say, 50s, 60s, 70s, shooting guns, fighting, driving cars like they're James Bond, having a great time. It's funny. It's lighthearted and um, and very enjoyable. Great recommendation, Rafer. Thank That's you. That's fantastic. Thank you. Love it. Love it. Well, now, Kristen, how about you? Because I feel like I feel like this is exactly the kind of thing that you'd be good at. What's your recommendation? Yeah, you know me. I love older folks. Yes. I love them. I want to be one someday. I love hanging <laughs> with them. They're the coolest. They got a lot of experience. And uh, I'm going to do something that I haven't done in a while on the show, Rafer. I'm going to give a little appetizer and then a main course. Okay. So the appetizer is a three and a half minute short film from 2015 called The Honeys and the Bears. Okay. The Honeys and the Bears follows the Harlem Honeys and Bears, which is a synchronized swimming team for seniors aged 55 and older. Uh They're almost entirely women. Uh, They're all very inspiring people of color. Some of them are even in their 90s, and they freaking love moving their bodies. They love their synchronized swimming. Here's a clip. I never was a dancer, but I can dance in the water. I can turn upside down. I can spin. I can do all kinds of things that I cannot do on land. 
started dancing around like Esther Williams and do what she do. But then again, I think we're better than Esther Williams. She, she never flipped. <laughs> I think I will be on this team as long as they'll have me and even when they don't want me. <laughs> It is a delightful little three and a half minute short that's called The Honeys and the Bears. And then for the main course, I am going to recommend a movie that I believe you hated, Rafer. Oh. It is called Palms from 2019. Yes, I I hated this movie, Kristen. (laughs) I know you did. I know you did. But I will admit, I will admit it did cross my mind oh, while it did. I was thinking about this. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. If I had not hated the movie so much, <laughs> I might have recommended it. All right. But uh, t- tell us, tell us for the love of God about Palms. Well, Palms stars Diane Keaton as Martha, an introverted woman who moves into a retirement community. You know, they have the standard retirement community activities, shuffleboard, golf, bowling, and so on. Um, And she just wants to be left alone. She doesn't want to be a part of any of those activities. But then Cheryl, a fun-loving neighbor, gets her to be pals with her. And together, they end up starting a whole new different kind of activity. That's right, a senior citizen cheerleading squad. Here's a clip. Guys, don't worry about the audience. Just follow each other like we practiced, okay? Mm -hmm. We got this. Martha, Mm. anything you'd like to add? I know I told you we could do this, but the truth is I have no idea what's going to happen out there. Maybe we'll make fools of ourselves, right? But I do know one thing. There's no one I'd rather go out there with than you ladies. (laughs) I love you. I love you all, okay? Now, I know you're scared. Woo! I'm scared, too. Scared? But, you know, sometimes you just have to look that in the face and tell it to go to hell. That's Palms, P-O-M-S, not P-A-L-M-S. Yes. Palms. Yes. 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 Palms, as in pom-poms, because they are all cheerleaders. That's right. Cheerleaders over 70, in some cases over 80, possibly over 90. (laughs) Cheerleaders using their bodies, shaking their booties. They are bringing it on. Yes, I just referenced another cheerleading movie right there. <laughs> That's right, you bring did. it on. Yes. <laughs> no, Rafer, tell me why you hated this movie, and then I'll explain why I am recommending it. <laughs> it's just, it just simply wasn't very good. It, 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 here's why. Here's why. That's 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 a stupid thing to say. Here's why. It, 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 I will say this. I thought it was a great idea. I remember thinking that's oh that's a when I saw the trailers for it I thought oh that's a really funny idea that you know I mean there there are all these movies about the misfit crew and the you know it's the the pitch perfects and the you know and the the sing the animated film and there are all these movies about the motley crew that has to come together and you know and beat the competition right we're the underdogs everyone loves those movies and that seemed funny and what a cast as I remember um, first of all Dan Keaton who's always great and then I think Jackie Weaver. Yes. And I think Pam Greer and a couple of other great people. And I just felt like everybody was was totally wasted. I just felt like the script was sloppy and it was not very well directed. And Pam Greer has like two lines in it. Jackie Weaver is pretty good. She's funny. And um, and Diane Keaton is always Diane Keaton. 
I just, I just felt like it was a, it was a great idea that was not that well executed. But I understand why, you, I understand why you'd recommend it because it is a funny idea. Yeah, and this isn't about winning Oscars. This is never no. going to <laughs> no. right. end up celebrated or end up on like the AFI's greatest film list. It's not. It's just not going to do that. True. However, it is fun to see people of all ages, of all abilities, yes. enjoying their bodies. And it's great also just like in a more meta way to see all of these actors who are not done acting, who are still on the stage, who are still yes. showing up to the set and doing their jobs and doing it the best they can every day, even when the script is mediocre at best. I yes. I, I am going to say that this is worth watching. So I'm prescribing it, even though I know you hate it, Rafer. <laughs> I think that's fine. Listen, I totally understand. All right. Kristen is recommending Palms, and I am recommending Red. All right. We're going to take another quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie or TV recommendation? Write to us at reeferandkristen at gmail.com. You don't have to use your real name. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. We're back with our What Should I Watch Next letter. Kristen, take it away. All righty. This one is from Sandra. Sandra says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I recently binged The Queen's Gambit on Netflix in one weekend. It was so good. And I don't even like chess. I loved the characters and artistry of the limited series. And of course, the story of an orphaned girl becoming a world-class chess champion during a time when women weren't considered masters of much at all. What can I watch next that might pique my interest in the same way? Now, Kristen, this is a this is a series I've been planning to watch for a fairly obscure reason. And here it is. The Queen's Gambit is based on a novel by a guy named Walter Tevis. And Walter Tevis is also the man who wrote the novel The Man Who Fell to Earth, which inspired really? Yes, which inspired, of course, the great Nicholas Rogue, David Bowie movie. And I'm one yes. of the only people I know who has read The Man Who Fell to Earth. And so I have this like weird personal thing for the name Walter Tevis. And so when I saw that they'd made The Queen's Gambit, which is the only other novel that I even know about from him, I thought, oh my God, The Queen's Gambit, that novel is from like the late 60s or early 70s. It's an old novel. And I just thought, wow, how interesting that it took it decades upon decades to finally become a series on Netflix. So I'm really, I really want to watch this movie. I've been trying to put some, uh, some time aside for it um, for that reason. And it's, and it's been getting great reviews. And I know that you're a fan. You've been watching it. Yeah, I have been watching it. I will say the first episode and a half, I was shaking the whole time and on the verge of tears. And I figured <laughs> out why. I was like, what is wrong here? Everybody's telling me this is just good, fun, feminist fare of seeing a poor girl make good. And I realized it's because the soundtrack is like a horror movie soundtrack. <laughs> the framing of the shots are like horror movie framing of shots. Yes, I've seen the trailers. In the first episode and a half, they ply the children with drugs at the orphanage. They take away her clothes and her identity. She has this old man in the basement who wants to hang out with her. <laughs> there is a foster dad who gives her weird looks as he drives her home back to his house. I mean, there are all these things like this that feel like it's going to be a horror movie. And I just want to tell other people out there, thankfully, 
the men don't actually do any of the things to her that you think they're going to do in the first episode and a half. And then she starts to rise to greatness. And I'm not saying she doesn't have challenges and issues to deal with. I mean, she definitely struggles with drugs and with alcohol and so on. But just putting it out there, even though it seems through the first episode and a half as though she is going to be raped any second now, every second now, that does not happen. All right. So Kristen, what's your recommendation for this listener? All right. I chose another movie with a strong female who rose to greatness at a time when very few women were working in her field. She was an attorney who in the 1950s attended Harvard Law School. She was one of only nine women in a class of 500 men, and she went on to become America's greatest Supreme Court justice. I am talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The film is RBG, RBG from 2018. Yes, I know this documentary. It's a great little documentary. It is. And I just want to make clear, it's the documentary, not the dramatic adaptation, which came out maybe about nine months after the documentary. On the basis of sex, I think that was called. Is that right? Yes. I think I I I have that title right, which was was a solid enough movie. But I do think the documentary is is better. Yes. Yes. I feel exactly the same way as you, Rafer. Like, I'm not saying on the basis of sex is a bad movie. I'm just saying RBG, the documentary, is better. It chronicles the career of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It goes over the course of many decades, from her time in law school to winning all of those court cases in the 70s, to being appointed a federal judiciary by President Jimmy Carter, and her eventual appointment to the Supreme Court by President Bill Clinton. Here's a clip. Men and women are persons of equal dignity, and they should count equally before the law. You won't settle for putting Susan B. Anthony on the new dollar. (laughs) (laughs) When they would say things like this, how did you respond? Well, never in anger, as my mother told me. That would have been self-defeating. Always as an opportunity to teach I did see myself as kind of a kindergarten teacher in those days because the judges didn't think sex discrimination existed. Well, one of the things I tried to plant in their minds was think about how you would like the world to be for your daughters and granddaughters. One thing I liked about this movie was that it explained uh, her strategy, which was to kind of build these cases one by one, sort of brick by brick. And each little case became another another brick that eventually became this sort of fortress in which she could finally, you know, make some real, real headway for women and women's rights. And of course, the other thing that struck me about this movie, which strikes me about so many movies uh, about the civil rights era and the 70s, is that it was the 70s. I was alive I was alive. I was. This is not the 1870s. This was. This was. This is modern history when women were still being discriminated against. It's just. It's always. It's always just sort of. You know. I'm always freshly stunned at how recent all this. All this stuff was. Yeah, in the 70s, a woman couldn't have a credit card unless a man got it for her. Right. Like. <laughs> My little lady's allowed to use my credit card. Let's put her name on it, too, right under my name, because it's really my credit card. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it really is. And all those changes took place to a great extent because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And one other thing I just want to point out, it's, it's a complete fluffy aside, but I think that this might appeal to Sandra, who wrote in, Sandra, 
The outfits and hair are also very cute because they're of the same era of the Queen's Gambit. So I think you'll also yeah. enjoy that. On top of all the amazing things that RBG does, the aesthetics, they're lovely. And I think you'll also really love the romance between her and her husband, Marty. It is yes. just beautiful. Their relationship is something to aspire to. May we all uh, be that good to our partners. May we all have that kind of love. I totally agree. I was really impressed by that as well. I was really impressed by him as a as a just as a figure uh, uh, in her life. I remember thinking like, man, I wish I was that guy. He seemed like he was really he seemed like he was he was successful and contented and supportive and just had it all figured out. Like I was I was really impressed by that by both of them, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, that's a great that's a great recommendation. Yes. Thanks, Rafer. And what about you? What what are you prescribing to Sandra? Well, Kristen, I went in the slightly opposite direction. Um, I, I I I took a slightly darker turn, I suppose. But I I chose a film from 2010, one of my favorite movies of the last probably the last 20 years. I chose Black Swan. Excellent. Yes. Oh, good. I'm glad you like Black Swan. I love it. I love it because it's actually touching on that dark stuff. Yes. You know, in the first episode and a half of the Queen's Gambit, it's like, is this a horror movie? And Right. And that's kind of how Black Swan is like, am I watching a horror movie or what am I watching? Yeah. Yeah. This one pretty is this one pretty is a pretty much is a horror movie. I guess psychological horror film, psychological thriller somewhere in there. Um, uh, well, if, uh, for those of you that don't know it, uh, it's about a young ballerina named Nina Sayers. Uh, actually, I guess she's not that young. She's 28, which I guess is a little on the old side for a ballerina. But she's played by Natalie Portman, and she's rehearsing with a New York City ballet company, and she's preparing to do Tchaikovsky's famous Swan Lake. And of course, Nina wants to take the star role, which is actually two roles, Odette, uh, the girl who becomes the white swan, and then Odile, who becomes the black swan. And originally, I think that play wasn't necessarily written to be played by the same uh, ballerina, but it, it, in, in it, it has become traditionally now that that it that that is a dual role played by one person. So it's this big thing, you know. It's like it's 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 Hamlet. It's uh, you know it's whatever. It's it's the it's the thing you got to do if you're going to be a real ballerina to play the both parts in Swan Lake. And uh, Nina is desperate to get this dual role. She's got competition. A girl named Lily, played by Mila Kunis. Are they enemies? Are they friends? Are they lovers? Is one of them sleeping with the director? <laughs> and the more pressure that Nina puts on herself, uh, she starts to crack. She starts to hallucinate. She loses time. She has blackouts. She has these dreamlike episodes. And it looks like she might even be killing people. Here's a clip. Our new swan queen, the exquisite Nina Sayers. I'm Lily. You're going to be amazing. Watch the way she moves. Sensual. She's not faking it. Seduces! Attack it! Attack it! Come on! Where'd you get these? It's nothing. You sweet girl. Feel my touch. Respond to it. Someone's hot for teacher. I don't want to talk about that. You really need to relax. It's the role, isn't it? It's all this pressure. I knew it'd be too much. I knew it. What's she doing here? He made me your alternate. The only person standing in your way is you. Oh, Rafer. I just love this Such movie. a good recommendation. Such a good recommendation. So, it is. It's about so glad. women. It's about ambition. It's about, you know, some of the dark yeah. side of the profession. It's it's about a lot of the same things that the Queen's Gambit has in it. And I, th I think this is fantastic, Rafer. Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, yeah, I just I love this film. And um 
I, I feel like you and I may have had the same kind of reaction to this, Kristen. Um, but I just laughed and laughed all the way through this whole film. And I knew somebody who was like, who was like really shocked and appalled that I, that I had laughed. And I wasn't trying to be flippant or anything. I just, it's just that it's so bizarre and it's so like, it's so wiggy. And so it's just pitched way the hell up here. It's like pitched eight octaves higher than any other movie. And everything <laughs> is so freaky and, and things just come out of nowhere. People's faces do all these weird things. And it's just, I just found it hysterical, scary and weird and upsetting, but also kind of like, I guess, I guess I had sort of a hysterical laughing reaction to it. And I thought that was really great and cathartic and fun. Um, <laughs> and I love bizarre movies and you know it's about you know it it it's i feel like you see a lot of movies about men who are going crazy because they're trying to do something great you know i'm i'm trying to achieve greatness and i'm being driven mad but we never see that in women and here and here you have one here you have a young woman who's who's driving herself insane and going off the deep end because she's trying to do something a, a, make a great piece of art and make a big statement and i kind of like that so I hope that fits the bill. I think it does. And that does actually have a lot in common with The Queen's Gambit. Okay, good. Good. All right. So once again, our recommendations are from Rafer, Black Swan, and from me, RBG. Well, Kristen, that's it. We have finished another week of movie therapy. I, I guess it's time to ghost everyone now. It's not really ghosting. We're saying goodbye. We didn't just hang up. <laughs> no, that's that, not true. That, We're that, not ghosting. No, no, no. That would be unkind. We're not going to do that. But until next time, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you need some advice, some movie recommendations, some TV recommendations, we are at RaferAndKristen.com. That's our website, RaferAndKristen.com. Use the contact form there or just tweet us if you like. You can tweet Rafer at Rafer Guzman and me at Kristen Meinzer. And please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows and tell your friends about our show. It really helps us a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.